Today I'm going to talk with you, actually, I added a, a, a sermon to this series. Next week we're going to start, I always do a series every year on hearing God. How do you hear from God? And I think every Christian deals with that multiple, I mean, they, we all struggle with how do we hear from God. We're going to start that next week. But I added, I added this uh, about being faithful with faith. I added that to this last component of our faithful series because I don't know that a lot of times we think about the fact that there is such a thing as being faithful with faith. God imparts faith to his people, but it's, faith is something that's often misunderstood and, and that, how to define it. And so today we're actually going to talk about what does it mean to be a manager? What does it mean to be a steward? Of faith. What does it mean to have a faith mindset? And we're going to uh, we're going to talk in a minute out of Numbers 13 in a second. That's where we're going to go. But you know, I think I think that faith is misunderstood in a lot of ways. And a lot of times, you know, you see it. Uh, I think what we do wrong. And by the way, this applies to a lot of American Christianity. Is we tend to take American views and place them on top of the scriptures. And that's not, that doesn't make us bad people. I mean, you know, we're Americans. I mean, I, you know, I, I cannot unlearn, I can unlearn, but I have had to unlearn a lot of what it means to the world I grew up in. You know, you bring all that to the scriptures, the, what your mom and dad told you and, and, you know, what the teachers told you in school and what you've learned in, in the job market. We, we take all of those life experiences and we tend to put them on top of the Bible. And, and in fact, um, that can be a dangerous thing because often those two obviously collide. They don't go together. But faith is, is kind of an American idea, uh, an American definition at times where people think all kinds of things about faith. It made me think this week about, you hear terms about it all the time. You hear Americans say things like, well, just have faith. Well, what does that mean? You ever thought, like, well, just have faith? Well, okay. Okay. You know, what, what does that mean? I remember when I was a kid in the, in the 80s, the Mets came out with this phrase, believe, right? You remember, remember those days? You got to believe. And you hear that in sports all the time. You just got to believe as if, you know, just thinking it will make it happen. Listen, I've applied a lot of that to my life at times and it just didn't work. Right? I actually played for the Mets for four years in Little League. We were the Mets, okay? Um, we were the Mets, and, and my first year, we went defeated. 0 yeah. <laughs> oh, and 14. Listen, man, it was brutal, you know? And, and by, the, by the, the last four years, we won the, the championship of the league, and we got to go to Dairy Queen. This was awesome, you know? Uh, but, but you can, let me tell you what faith is not, right? Let's, let's go through what it isn't. Well, there's a couple things I think we could look at. One, uh, faith is not positive thinking. You can think something all you want. And listen, positive thinking is important. We talk a lot at Clearview. If you're a guest, maybe you're watching from home or, or on li live stream or something. Uh, we talk a lot about mindset. The Bible is full of, of the psychology of the mind. That's very intentional by God. Uh, but positive thinking alone, that that's, that's not just faith. And faith isn't just hope. You know, oh, just have hope. You know, like hope isn't a strategy. You know, for all of you in the marketplace, you can hope your business grows. Okay, you better have a plan for that. And so we know hope isn't a strategy in and of itself. 
And faith is not just self-confidence. I mean, you can have all the confidence in the world and it not turn out right. You know, that, that just happens to us a lot. And, and so we're going to walk through some of those things today about what, what does it mean to be faithful with faith? So um, in the very beginning of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, it's the fourth book of the Bible, there's a story. And uh, uh, it's, it's Numbers chapter 13. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and truthfully, you could probably do about a 10-week series on this. Every time I read this passage, I, I think about how many layers it has. I mean, there are so many layers. I mean, you could do so many things out of this passage, but I'm going to give you the context because it's a long story and I'm not going to, I don't have time to go into all of it for you, but let me kind of set it up for you. So God has led the people. He's delivered them out of prison, literally delivered them out of prison. They're on their way to the promised land, right? It's called the Exodus. So they're coming and they're going through the desert and you know, God has already parted the Red Sea. Uh, he's done all these miracles. He gives them a cloud by day and fire by night to follow. I mean, it is, th but this, this one story right here, you guys, this one story is truly one of the most tragic in all of Scripture. It really is. And, and so we're going to learn some things from it. So here's what's happened. The people have been complaining and, and they've been frustrated and, and Moses is going before God and, and, and he's trying to, he, he's, given, he's given them all kinds of in, instruction and, and, and so is Aaron and, and the people, they're at, this, they're at this crossroads, man. You ever been at a crossroads? What we often call a crisis of faith, like something's got to happen. By the way, I'm, I'm, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to tell you something, okay? I'm going to let you, I'm going to tell you where I'm headed. It's a dangerous thing as a, as a speaker, but I'm going to tell you where I'm headed. At the end of this thing, we're going to open this altar up. And if you have a crisis of faith, maybe it's about your money, about your kids, your marriage. Maybe it's something you need to intercede for on behalf of family. We're going to pray over that stuff, and that's the time to do business with the Lord, you ever been at those crossroads moments where you need God to act? Well, that's where they were. So here's what God tells them. So God, God is, is about to take them into the promised land, and he tells, he tells the leaders, he says, look, I want you to set aside a group of spies, okay? And I want you to go spy out this land. I want you to go, go do it, and I want you to bring the people back a report, so, so, and it lists out in Numbers 13, who are, who are the dudes that, that, that God, you know, commissions to go. And, and so they, they, go into the, they go into the land and their, their task, their task is to go into the land and find what's good, come back to the people and tell them what God, you know, basically confirm what God has said. There you go. So that's where we're going to pick up the story. Numbers 13, verse 25. Here we go. So, verse 25, um, I'm in the New American Standard, if you're on a tablet and you want to read the version I'm reading. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. So, this is the recon group. They're coming back. And it says, they brought back a word to them to all the congregation that showed up 
they, they brought them, you know, the fruit of the land. Literally, they brought back some fruit. In verse 27, it says, then thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us, talking to Moses. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. That, that's a metaphor, obviously, and a metaphoric for it's, it's, uh, it's, it's supple. I mean, it, it's, it's good. And this is the fruit. I mean, literally, here's, the, here's some grapes. They're, they're, this is the fruit. Nevertheless, you know, this is called the bucket brigade. You know what the bucket brigade is? You ever been? You, you, you guys work with bucket brigade people. You don't, they always carry out a bucket of water to throw on the fire. You ever met people like that? They, no matter what they do, no matter how big the fire is, they're just part of the bucket brigade, and they're going to put out any fire, man. They're just looking. Some people think complaining is a spiritual gift. Um, some people think negativity is a spiritual gift. It is not. Verse 28, nevertheless, these are the recon group. They're reporting the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified. They're very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Uh, let me tell you what that's code for. Big, tall, strong people. Okay? Amalek. Now, that, you, the Amalekites, listen, they don't just kill you. They kill you five or six different ways. They're bad people. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea. By the side of the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people. We're going to talk about what that meant in a minute, what that means. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him, so Caleb was one of the spies, the men that had gone up with him, they said, We are not able to go up against the people. They're too strong for us. And then something else happens. It says, so they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. In other words, they turned up the volume on the negativity, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone in spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants. In other words, it's going to kill us. And the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, uh, the sons of Anak. It is, they're big, they're huge, they're massive. We, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And then verse 14, one, chapter 14, verse 1, then all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, would that we have died in the land of Egypt or that we would have died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Go back to prison. It was better in prison. Moses and Aaron fell on their face in the presence of the assembly in this front of the congregation. So the story just keeps going on and on and on, which, by the way, is a sign when you fall on your face. It's the, it's the deepest form of, of grief and asking God to, to redeem the situation. So what is going on here? 
What does it mean for us? You know, I've told you guys many times, I, I, I love to look at what people, where they got it wrong in the scripture and learn what I can do differently. And, and so I, I'll give you a little insight. Um, one of the, I have a, a long list of questions every time that I prepare a sermon and I don't go through every single one of them. Well, a lot of times I do, but I, one of, one of my favorite questions to ask, especially when it's a story, and if you, if you do like to study your scriptures, which I hope you do, uh, this is a great question to ask, especially if you're in a, a story or a parable or one of the gospels. Uh, but here's the question I often ask. If I were there, what would I see? Meaning literally, if I were standing there in that moment, what would I see? If I were a part of this situation, like imagine all of us here at Clearview, and then God tells us to send out, he's got, let's say he's going to relocate the church. And he's, it literally, we're, let's, let's say, uh, and the, listen, people tend to read things into what I say, and I'm, 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 we're not. Okay, just, I'm just a total hypothetical. All right, so, so let's say that God calls us to relocate this place. And, and so we decide to send out, you know, like 12 people to some part of this county. And then they, they came back and they, they reported to all of us. So if I was in that meeting, what would I see? I tell you, the first thought that came to me based on what the scripture said, I think I would see chaos. It's chaos. You see, God had told them to go, and they went. He told them he was going to give them the land. They came back. And so all of a sudden, it goes south. In fact, don't, don't, don't overlook this little simple fact right here. In verse 30, it says, Caleb quieted the people. You know, you know what that means? They became so hysterical, and they were imploding so fast in fact, the story goes on, if you read it, they wanted to stone them. Talk about killing the messenger. They were, so it, it got bad in a hurry. You see, their perspective, wow, what happened in that moment? Well, I'll give you just a rundown of a few things that happened. They go, they look at the land, they come back, two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they have this amazing report, and the rest of them don't. And, and for those that, that blew it, for those that didn't listen to the Lord, look at the type of report they brought back. And I, I listed a few things for you. Number one, they, they began to despise the provision, meaning God had provided for them. He provided manna to get when they didn't have food, when they said, that, we're, we're tired of this manna, which by the way, that's it's kind of incredibly arrogant, isn't it? God providing food for you, and you say, I'm sick of that. And then they, then they said, well, okay, we want some meat. He said, okay, you'll have quail. And so he begins to, to they, they, all these provisions that they had, they began to despise them. They literally wanted to go back to, to prison where they were beaten and assaulted and their families torn apart. They said, that's better. That's better. Back there. They, they began to disown their redemption. And what I mean by that is they, they really came to a place where they, they, they wrote God out of the script. I mean, think about it. You don't even hear them reference the Lord. In the story, they don't even reference 
the fact that God had already said, I'm giving you this land. God said that. They wrote him out of the story. All they could see were the giants. You see, let me tell you something, friend. You're going to speak what you believe. Did you hear me? You're going to speak what you believe. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. You're going to speak what you believe. And all they did was magnify the problem, right? They were so focused on the problem, they wrote God out of the story altogether. In fact, it got so bad, they wanted to kill Moses and Joshua and Caleb, wanted to stone them. They wanted to dismantle the leader that God installed. Listen, that's, I mean, mean, this guy, this guy led them through, you would think, right? I mean, there's just, this guy's led them through all these amazing times and yet, they, they wanted somebody else. Get us somebody else. In fact, it got so bad. This is the tragedy of it all. It got so bad that God said, you know what? I'm going to keep my promise because I promised to deliver you into the new land. But all of you, all of you in this room, All of you people who are complaining and weeping and wailing and wanting to kill Moses and all of you that are are grumbling and complaining against me, the Lord God, you know what? Every single one of you, you don't get to go. You don't get to go. You're not going to see the land that I promised to give my people. Oh, my people are going to get it, but you're not going to get it. You know what you're going to do? I hope you like sand because you're going to walk in it Decades until every one of you over the age of 20 dies because of their complaining. They forfeited the promise. So, it, I mean, it's, it, it's a story of compare and contrast because you've got two guys that are incredibly full of faith. So, what does it mean for us to truly look at this idea of being faithful with faith? One group, all they saw was giants. And two guys brought back grapes. Think about the difference. One put their eyes on grapes and one put their eyes on giants. It all depends on how you want to look at what God is calling you to. So here's what I'm going to do, okay? I'm going to start... By giving you, I told you what faith isn't. It's not just hope. It's not just self-confidence. It's not just positive thinking. What does it mean to be faithful with faith? I mean, what does it mean? God has imparted faith to you. He's given faith to you. So what does that actually mean? Well, Hebrews, Hebrews 11 tells us this. It says, faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. For by it, the people of old gained approval. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for, proof of things not seen. So what does that actually mean? In Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, you need to, you need to learn that verse. So I'm going to give you, faith is a very uh, layered definition. It's a layered concept, but I'm going to give you kind of a street level definition of it. Faith is what I would say resolved conviction based on the experience of knowing Christ. 
Now, I packed that in there pretty tight, okay, when I put that together. Faith is resolved conviction. Let's start there. It's not just hoping against hope. It's not just positive thinking. It means that I have a conviction to the point that I am resolved, that I'm not just hoping. No, actually, I have experienced God. I've experienced the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that power, I resolved in my soul that I know what I know, and I am who God says I am, and I am certain of what I've believed. I'm certain of it. Why? Because you've experienced God. You know, there's a, there's a lot of Christian leaders out there that they really scoff at this idea of experience. And I want to tell you, the Bible is full of people that experienced God. Let me tell you what faith is not. Faith is not some intellectual ascent into higher learning. It's not. Now, we are called to love the Lord our God with our minds. We are. We are called to love the Lord our God with our minds. We are called to do that, to grow our mind in the knowledge of God. But I'm going to tell you something. Discipleship is not just some esoteric movement up the mountain of higher learning. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is following a man who came out of the grave. He came out of the grave. That's what discipleship is. It means that we follow the risen Savior. And that is more than just knowing about him. It's actually experiencing the power of him. You with me? That's what's going on in faith. Faith is resolved conviction of, based on the experience of knowing Christ. You see, faith, listen to me now, faith sees the seen. Faith sees what is seen, but it also discerns what is not seen. Based on Hebrews, go, go back one to that verse in Hebrews 11. Faith is certainty of things hoped for, proof of things not seen. It's both. It is certainty of what's around me, and it's the ability to have eyes to see things that understand, you know what? There's more going on here than what meets the eye. You see, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, to our walk. See, God has not left you as an orphan, friend, okay? He's not left you as an orphan. And this is way better preaching than y'all are letting on, okay? I know it's hot outside, but I, but I want to tell you something. You are not left as an orphan. God gave you a Holy Spirit so that you just don't have to learn about him. You can be empowered with him. And that gives you the ability to parent. It gives you the ability to manage your money. It gives you the ability to evaluate your relationships. It gives you the ability to understand your work situation. It gives you a place to go when anxiety falls all over you. You know what to do. Why? Because you're not an orphan. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, man. I mean, that's good news right there. So faith is a resolved conviction based on the experience of knowing Christ. It sees the seen, but it also discerns the unseen. So here's the big question then. Okay, how, how do you become faithful with faith? That's the big question. How do we do that? How do you become faithful with faith? How are we faithful with a faith mindset? 
Well, when I'm, ba- I'm basing this off, I'm not just throwing thoughts out there. I mean, I'm not lifting thoughts out of my own mind. I'm looking at the story, and I'm saying, okay, what can we learn from those people? Well, I would say a couple of key truths for you. And the first truth, first truth about being faithful with faith is this. Size up the situation through the lens of God's sovereignty. Did you hear me? I want you to let that sink into you for a minute. Listen to me, friend. Listen to me real close. All of you over in the chapel, listen to me really close. Every one of us, within the sound of my voice, me included, Michelle included, my sons included, every one of us, we are on our way to encountering another situation that is going to call for faith. It may be in your family, it may be in your job, it may be in your health, it could be in a leadership decision. Every one of you, every one of you, over and over and over again, we are always, always, always heading into situations that require faith. So what do we do? What do we do? How how do we do that? Well, I would say to you, based on what these guys learned, size up the situation through the lens of God's sovereignty. You know, as I was putting this together this week, I had this thought. I mean, I don't know if, I, I don't think this is blasphemy, okay? So I'm going to call time out, okay? I don't, it's just my way of making sense of it all, Okay? Because you know I love sports. I just do. I grew up in sports. And I got to thinking, based on this story, like, if God was a sports franchise, he's like gone five, six thousand years undefeated. (laughs) Depends on what theory of the earth you believe. If you believe in a new earth or an old earth, and I I particularly ascribe to a new earth theory, so I'm going to go with five, six thousand years. I'm going to say, you know, from the dawn of time, God has never lost. Aren't you glad? There's never been a battle. There's never been a battle where he went, okay, we got to go back to the film room. I don't know what's going to happen on this one. He's never lost. He's never lost. Your heavenly father is undefeated. And you know what he says about you? You and I are inheritors of the promise. Aren't you glad? We are inheritors of the Son, heirs to the throne, heirs, man, heirs to a father that's never lost. So everything that you're facing, size it up. Not through giants. What did they do? They go over the hill. Can't you just see them? Like, in my mind, you know, maybe it's just a little boy in me. When you used to play Army. Remember when you used to play Army? I used to do that. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, we, my dad made us all promise we would never shoot our BB guns at each other, which we didn't, because that was kind of... Some of y'all did that. And that was, listen, they're stupid, and then there's like really stupid. Okay? Some of y'all did. I'm not calling you stupid. That was a stupid decision at the moment. But you're still here. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're all still here. All right. So look. But so, I, in my mind, I can see them crawling up, you know... M- you know, low crawling, as they call it in the military, low crawling up, and they get up over the hill, and Joshua and Caleb go, oh, grapes. I haven't eaten grapes in forever. Apples, figs, water, streams, rivers. 
Joshua's turning to Caleb and he's going, dude, this is epic. Like, this is so good. It's exactly what God said it was going to be. And then the other 10, oh God, we're all going to die. We're going to die. They're like seven foot eight. Like every, do you look at their deltoids? They're, they're going to put us in the joint of their bicep and crush our skulls. That we can't possibly win. We got to stop. We got to stop. We got to quit. We got to go back. We got to tell them, no, 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 no. Abort, abort, abort. We can't do it. You see, you're going to speak what you believe. You're going to speak what you believe. So the next time you come into a situation that requires faith, size it up through the lens of sovereignty. You know what I love about Caleb? The, that, that story says that Caleb had a different spirit in chapter 14. He had a different spirit. It means he, he chose to believe who God was. And you know what I love about Caleb? I love the fact that he never lost sight of his employer. He never lost sight of his employer. He believed. In fact, he even goes so far as to when he quieted them, he said, hey, 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 verse 30, chapter 13, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. We will overcome it. We will overcome it. Next time you require faith, let me tell you something. Stop for a second and back up. I learned to do that, by the way, in my own life. See, when you get into pressure... One of the things that pressure does and one of the things that, you know, when real life hits you, you know, real, real life hits us all the time, doesn't it? When real life hits you, you know what tends to happen? I, I don't, y'all are looking, you know, I'm going to tell you, you're looking at me like, you, you know, you don't ever deal with this. So I'm just going to preach to myself for a minute. All right. Let me tell you what I do. I start looking at all the details. You ever do that? You ever start looking at all the details? And you start, you ever do this? Weigh out the pros and cons? I've done that like a million times. Stop that. Just don't do it. Ask God, what do you want from me? Don't weigh out the pros and cons. Because you know what? When you get under pressure, what happens under pressure? Drama. When you get into a tough situation, all the details make the story complicated. And what happens is we, then our, our minds go, we do exactly what the spies did. I mean, we pick on them, but we would often do the same thing. We see all the reasons that it could go south, all the reasons that it could, it could go wrong, and we start focusing on all the issues and all the drama, and we lose sight of the fact that we have the living Christ inside of us. Size it up through the lens of sovereignty. I'll give you another truth. When you see a situation that requires faith, recognize the resources available to move you through it. Okay? Recognize the resources available. It's very important that you understand what I'm saying right here. Now, let me tell you. Here's something that they, they really didn't... Joshua and Caleb did, but here's... If you look in... This is... This is fascinating. 
In verse, chapter 13, verse 1, the very first verse, the Lord spoke to Moses. Let's start with that. The Lord spoke to Moses. He said, hey, send out, verse 2, for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan. Let me tell you what that means. Not your land. They didn't own the land. The Canaanites owned the land. Send out for yourself, verse 2, men that go spy out the land of Canaan. Here's the phrase, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. He already told them. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. And you know what I would... (laughs) He just said, go take it. You know what, honestly, in my mind... The, the appropriate response would be for them to just cross the river, come up on the other side, stroll into the Canaanites with their hands in their pockets and say, hey, boys, y'all want to do this the hard way or the easy way? I mean, we can go either way. I don't care. We can kill everybody, and we're going to kill every one of you and your dog. Or you can give in because I got this God who just parted a Red Sea, go ask all the Pharaoh soldiers, oops, you can't, they're dead. (laughs) Right? Wait a minute. Sorry, you would think their arrogance would be like unbearable. When When you encounter a situation, here's what you got to do. Listen to me, friends. You've always got divine tools around you if you will look for them. You hear me? You've always got divine tools around you if you will look for them. Some of you are lonely. You know why? You're doing it to yourself. You know what the divine tool is? Us. Us. The people of Jesus. If you're lonely, you're choosing that. You're choosing that. If you're struggling, we're called a family of God for a reason. Are you broke? Need money help? Yeah, I don't know anybody in this county that could help you with that. Right? You have big anxiety? We've got networks of therapists that can help. Need to go, you don't know the Word of God, you feel feel alone in the Word of God, we have small groups. There are divine resources all around you, friends. You need need to learn how to pray. A lot of you you won't admit it, but you don't really know how to pray. You know what you could do? Thursday nights, 7 o'clock, in the chapel, just come sit and listen. Because the group that meets there We have other prayer groups on this campus too, by the way. You don't just have to pick that one. You can learn how to pray. There's there's resources all available for you to to help you move through it. But when you look at the story, they they just wouldn't do it. They, 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 They just wouldn't do it. One of the things you could do, friends, when you encounter a situation that requires for faith, you know what you can do? One of the smartest things you could do is back up for a second and ask God, okay, God, I'm going to clear my mind for a minute. Would you reveal to me what are the tools that you have 
to move me through this. God had given his people all kinds of assets, but the biggest thing he gave them was himself. He gave them himself. And you're no different. Listen, this story should make us all feel better on some level because we act just like this sometimes. But we don't have to. We don't have to. We can take the spirit of Caleb, which in the most wooden sense of the words means an alien spirit, not like Martian. It means a stranger. He, it means I'm not participating. It means I'm going to believe what God says. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.